Hey, Andy Phillips here. And I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. Well, we're back at it with a brand new show called Special Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Utes! Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Trip Crosby. That evolved. So that started way up at the top as a list of sketches that I had written. And then I eventually felt the inspiration to go back to them and kind of rewrite them. And then uh, I had an idea for what to do with them. And so I moved them down. And now I'm actually revising all of these ideas into a live show. So that will probably be about a two-year process overall. Trip. um in part one, we were talking about you know building a YouTube channel with 75 million views and working with brands and, and how you're bigger and bigger into Instagram these days. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I was really interested in that we were kind of closing off was um, you made this comment that to be really funny, to write really well, that you need to be less busy. And, yeah. and uh, you know, there's some science out there. There's a great book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. There's a there's some science about you know part of the brain that they accidentally found when they were putting people in fMRI machines of how they call it the default node default mode network of like they thought their machines were broken because the brain was lighting up when they weren't having them do anything and they they discovered this other part of our brain. Wow, um, I don't know about this. I mean, yeah, it's like it's kind really of related to like you know how Isaac Newton thinks up the gravity stuff while he's sitting in a garden. You know, you, how many of the great discoveries were found right. when somebody was on a walk or like you yeah. talk about, you know, one of Einstein's coworkers said that they would leave for lunch. He'd be holding a piece of chalk, staring at the chalkboard and they come back from lunch and he's still standing in the same spot, still staring, you know. Right. So anyways, it's obviously a little bit it's a different domain, but the principle seems to apply for you as well. Can you can you talk about this, having the room to create or have ideas come to you? I can talk about it and I love talking about it uh, because I actually think it expands way beyond just the creative field and into any position that anyone has anywhere with any interest in innovating at all. Uh, I believe that people, they don't want to just show up to work and pull the same lever every day that someone handed them. I believe people are more satisfied when they can actually find ways to improve themselves and improve their position. Uh, And that requires innovation and innovation requires ideas uh, and thoughts and the creative field it especially does there's some of us out there that if we don't have good ideas we don't have a paycheck so uh, I obsess over how to have more better ideas and what I keep learning in more ways than one is that I have to stop more I have to just do less stuff I have to be less busy and what I learn when I do that is that I wasn't even really doing anything in the first place I, you know, there's. Did you see that article that just came out? I want to say it was New York Times. There's a company in Australia, a big company that just cut all of their employees' hours from 40 hours to 30 hours a week. And not only after they did that, when they resurveyed, not only did they discover that the level of satisfaction went up, but also the level of productivity went up. So they were getting more done with less time, which makes me go, what was everyone doing with that 10 hours? What are we doing with our time? Are we accomplishing or are we just doing? And I look at myself all the time and I'm, I'm always reinventing my schedule because I'm convinced that I'm just doing stuff to feel productive, even though I'm not being productive. Because I think we all, we have this need to feel productive. I also think, I also think that we are avoiding something usually. 
like we stay busy to avoid stillness, to avoid facing reality, as I would say it more straightforwardly. Like there's something about reality that we don't want to acknowledge. So we just distract ourselves. And when we do that, we really are clouding our mind and we're, we're preventing ourselves from having really good ideas. That was a lot of words for a, a one question. So I'll stop talking and, and let you ask me more. So I could just keep going for like 90 minutes on this. No, you know, um, this year I, I reread a book that actually we had him on the show, uh, Perry Marshall, called 80-20 Sales and Marketing. And I finally went and found the books that inspired him to write his. And they're by a former Bain consultant, BCG consultant named uh, Richard Koch. And uh, he's been incredibly successful. I think he turned $26 million into over $300 million through his venture capital investing. And he, he wrote these books like the 80-20 Principle and the 80-20 Manager, just kind of taking the concept we're all familiar with that you know probably 80% of our results come from 20% of our efforts. And just like diving down that rabbit hole further and further. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me to, to just hear evidence of it over and over again. Like, yeah. I think about how many emails I, how many emails I return, how many um, conversations that I have with folks during my work hours. You know, it's tough when you're the mm-hmm. CEO, so to be disciplined and call them work hours because it feels like they're all your hours. It's all the time, right? But but really, like, I don't know that I do stare it in the face and go, is this really the best use of my time? Instead, I just pick up the ringing phone. Yeah, yeah there's too much anxiety. It's like all the what ifs. There's the, um, yeah, it's, I, I get it. Um, you know, part of my story begins this way. So like the very first viral video that we had that put us on the map that even set up the opportunity for us to have a career in digital shorts was, it came out of a time in my life where I was so fed up with my career that I just stopped everything. Uh, I was young enough and my overhead, my living expenses were so small that I could just do that. I just took a month and stopped working and just did a lot of staring at the ceiling, thinking about what I actually wanted to do. And it was in that that I discovered uh, making comedy shorts. So I, I had a successful video business at the time. I was working with lots of companies. I was making more and more money every month, shooting, editing, selling, shooting, editing, selling. And I hated it. I couldn't figure out why. So I stopped. And I just wasn't willing to, I don't know what my plan was, honestly. I was like 25 years old and kind of dumb. But I just stopped. And I got so bored that I picked up my video camera one day and just started playing with it. And I called some friends over and we started making comedy shorts with no plan. I just That's what I wanted to do when I was bored enough. And that's when we made this sketch called Things You Can't Do When You're Not in a Pool. And two weeks later, we were all over the mainstream news media for some short that went viral and in a time where that was a new thing. And uh, looking back, I'm like, I just, that was the best decision I ever made was just stopping and thinking and letting myself discover what was really going on inside my brain, what the valuable thoughts actually were. You know, um, I'm, you can tell I'm kind of a book nerd since that's all I've talked about here. Yeah, but, um, and you can tell I'm not because I don't <laughs> reference anything. Yeah, so Studious. the secret oh. is I don't actually read any of these books. I'm all audio. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Audio, audio, yeah. audio. But, uh, it's time to read. There's, a, there's one that I really enjoy by Ryan Holiday called The Perennial Seller about making creative works that will last at least a decade. Mm-hmm. And he talks about just this concept of needing to say no to things. And some of his other books about the Stoics talks about how the word decision actually comes from the root word to die. And that it's this idea of like 
having the guts to let options die so that we could do something else. And I think that's really what my problem is, is so often is I want to lie to myself that I can do it all. Or um, I, I have the fear that I'm killing the wrong option. And so instead I don't decide anything and I keep trying to do it all. And then I end up doing it poorly. Right. That's the story of my life, except for that one time. <laughs> you know, I totally get it. I'd be interested as well um, to hear more of what the creative process is like for you of, yeah. you know, the part, part behind the scenes that people don't see. What is it? Is it on a napkin and then you stew on it for a few days and you play with it and you revisit it in a week? Or do you, you know, at a more granular yeah. level, logistical level, what does that look like for you? Well, there's, I would divide the creative works into two categories. There's the client work, which looks like this. Uh, there's a, some sort of engagement where we decide to work together and we start brainstorming and putting ideas on the table and there's lots of concept revisions and then out of once we choose a concept their scripts are written and then there's revisions it's a very straightforward creative process to write a commercial or a, a comedy sketch when there's a client involved for the stuff that i'm most proud of uh, i have this board in my office and i'm looking at it right now and there's all of these note cards that are different colors that just have any idea that i've thought of that in my mind would be worth accidentally looking at again when I look to my right. So I just let this sit up here and I try and create time in my life to develop some of it, any of it, as far as I can. Um, it's divided into three categories. I have the top section, which is like just any idea that I liked 24 hours later. Then there's the middle section, which is, okay, I've, I've started down this road. Like this is something that's worth continuing to work on. And then there's a third section, which are ideas that I've gone really far down and I intend to finish, and there might even be a deadline involved. And so uh, I let these kind of organically develop, I guess, but categorizing them in that way helps me prioritize. Um, that's my creative process for the fun stuff. Um, I wish you could actually see what I'm talking about. That may have been hard to visualize. No, it's okay. Uh... But I, I'd be interested to just ask a follow-up question there. Yeah. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break from the sponsor, okay. and then I'll, I'll ask it. Okay. Hey, Andy Phillips here, and I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. Well, we're back at it with a brand new show called Special Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Utes! Okay, so before the sponsor break, um, I was saying that I kind of wanted to go a little deeper. So mm -hmm. when you put that idea up there, you know, the colored cards uh, mm -hmm. that are up on the board, um, how long could that take before you do something with it? Or, or what, what would be the process when you go back and go, no, that's the best card up there. I'm going to do something with it. Yeah. What's uh, that look like? <laughs> it could be a week or two years. Yeah. Um, it just depends on what it is. Uh, there's, there's a... I mentioned at the very beginning that I'm working on a live performance. So that that evolved. So that started way up at the top as a list of sketches that I had written. And then I eventually felt the inspiration to go back to them and kind of rewrite them. And then uh, I had an idea for what to do with them. And so I moved them down. And now I'm actually revising all of these ideas into a live show. So that will probably be about a two-year process overall. But then sometimes there's an idea up there uh, I'll give you an example, a specific example. Um, 
most people are familiar, if they're familiar with anything I've done, they're familiar with a video called A Conference Call in Real Life. Well, the one I've been wanting to do to follow up the most is tech support calls in real life or customer support calls in real life. <laughs> so that, like that, when I, when that hit me, I put it on the board way up top and then going into like very quickly, I was able to go, no, I need to find a, like, I need to do something with this. So I moved it down to the middle section and I worked on a treatment for it. I put together a, a little sales deck and just recently we sold the idea to a brand. So uh, now that is like fully in production. That's going to be a, we'll call that a six month idea. And actually now that I think about it, six months might be the minimum for something on my board because I, I just, I, I revisit stuff a lot and I change it and I, I, I just, this board is for ideas that I'm not willing to compromise on. It's gotta be, it's gotta, it's gotta be executed in a way that, that uh, exceeds what I even thought it was in the beginning. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting having that internal standard for yourself. It's interesting and it's also a curse because that's why a lot of the stuff stays up here. Sometimes I, I probably just need to like take more action and uh, not be such a perfectionist because yeah. I'm never happy with how it comes out anyway. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the, the business of getting attention mm -hmm. is, is almost been glorified by the way the media will follow up and say, look at this viral video, right? Right. And, and, you know, it's pretty hard to uh, attract new clients if they don't know your brand exists. I mean, like, right. there's some pretty straightforward things about this. Um, but because of all that, it is highly competitive and with technology evolving and, you know, how many years ago there was no Snap or Snapchat, right? And right. then, you know, the whole business takes a, a slight right angle for a bit, you know, with right. these things. Um, being in this you know, so deep and, and I'm sure knowing other creatives well, um, as you look at what's coming down the pipe, the next year, the next three years, what, what kind of things do you see that maybe not everybody recognizes or, or how do you see, um, this world evolving? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think that while the technology becomes more and more accessible, while we see more and more content getting out there, I think the good stuff still rises to the top. I'm not threatened by that as much as some people would be. I think um, all of the good shows will still be on HBO, and uh, all of the, the the good videos will show up on our YouTube, our Facebook feed, um, organically anyway, the organic ones. Um, for me personally, the the reason this might be hard to answer, to be just completely yeah. transparent, is that I am getting kind of like exhausted. Uh, by the attention business. Mm. Sometimes I, I tell my wife, I'm like, it's just, I'm tired of having to have a good idea all the time. Like, <laughs> can I, can I start a lawn business? Like, sometimes yeah. I just want to do something repetitive and use my body and not my brain uh, because it just never got, the, the goalpost just keeps moving, you know, it just gets harder. And uh, I, I, I want to learn how to be more satisfied with uh, what I have done. And where I am, instead of always feeling like I'm, I'm just on the verge of, of really, really landing on that idea that's going to take things to the next level. What is the next level? I don't know. I get to make silly videos with my friends. What else do I want in life? Nothing. More time with my kids. That's really it. It's interesting the seasons of life, though. You yeah. Know, I, uh, I had a real, you know, I call it my quarter life crisis when I switched from yeah. finance to consulting, and and it's been great, and I love it. But I kind of always kept my toe in the finance side and I've got some, you know, large investment fund clients that our consulting firm consults to. And um, 
it's interesting as I look at my future and, you know, kind of the next 30 years of my career, if, if I last that long, um, what do I, you know, if I was going to focus on something, what do I want to focus on? And it's interesting how that can evolve over time, right? Right. Well, when I started, I only had to have good ideas because I wanted to. Like, it wasn't, I wasn't in the business of it yet. And so we were having fun and we, we discovered we were good at something and that started paying off. But then once it started paying off, then you have to maintain, right? So now I have to have ideas, and that feels different. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to. My next phase of life is going to be creating way more space and um, getting away from the pressures of having to have ideas, so that I can. You know, it's interesting how it takes guts to not just stick with what's working so far. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we were newlyweds, you know, 16 years ago in Huntington Beach, California, my wife. Um, took care of, of kids for a couple of doctors and she hated her job. And she just told my wife every day how she wished she could be a stay at home mom, but she'd sunk too much into her education and she couldn't turn back now. And, wow. you know, you think about like um, this idea of like having the guts to not screw up the future just because of what we paid for the past. It's wow. Kind of an interesting concept, right? It's very interesting. And I, I resonate. I, I really, I really do. Especially if we think about image, like what people think of us. I think for me, it's like, you know, you spend so much time pushing on something, especially, you know, in the entrepreneurial space and convince, you know, trying to convince yourself and everyone else that this is so great and what you're doing is great. And then what if you start to feel different? And it's like, but I've already told everybody that I love this. Or, I know. I've got a rep- I've got a reputation as this. Right. And like how, how many temptations not to be authentic are there because so of our many. past, right? What if, yeah, what if what if I just decided I didn't want to do this at all anymore? How many people would I disappoint? That's too much pressure. Yeah. Do you have kids? You said you do? Yeah, I got four. Four kids. So so you know you've been through this, but for me, I just started having kids. We have two young ones. And my son doesn't care about my career. <laughs> he doesn't care if I make funny videos. He doesn't care. Like and and before I had him, uh, it was like I, I saw myself more from my audience perspective. And that's that's that that was so defining. It was so defining. Uh, I just lost all words, but I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know it's um, interesting. As soon as you said that, I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah, my kids don't care what I do. You know what my yeah. kids care about? How many business trips I have to be gone on. That's what my right. kids care about. Yes, and yeah, that, my kid, he's he's almost three. We're really starting to, to bond a lot, and you know he's he hates that I have to, to work a lot. He hates when I leave town, he, except that. Actually, he gets excited when I go out of town now because it usually means I bring him something home. <laughs> I don't know if he actually loves me or just what I give him, but um, he he doesn't care, and and that's that really reframed how I see myself. So I'm like, why do I? You yeah. live in such a you know. You think I, about. I mean, maybe it's not business travel. Maybe it's it's uh, working evenings or or weekends, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I talked my wife into letting us do an adventure year in the mountains. We're out past Park City um, in this cabin community that backs right onto the National Forest. So we can go snowmobile snowboarding out the nice. back of the neighborhood without loading up, right? And, nice. And yet I still work evenings and weekends and uh, probably probably more than I would if uh, – definitely more than I would if I had the choice, right? Right. And so it, it becomes a question like – I guess for me, the question is, am I willing to get rich a little bit slower to give right. my kids the dad that they probably deserve, right? Right. And uh, yet there's so many external rewards for growing fast and 
you know, now that we're doing business with Forbes and the NBC affiliate, and we've got some big fancy clients, right? There's all these external rewards for for that instead of the kind of the quiet rewards at home. Right, and I just I'm, I'm about to enter the second half of my life, and I I keep I keep trying to make myself really face what I'll what I'll actually regret and what I'll actually uh, be really grateful for when I get to the to the end. And I just I don't think I'll be counting how many viral videos I have on my deathbed. <laughs> I just I really don't like I. I think there'll be a small group of people around me and I'll, I'll care about how much I how much I experienced with those people. I really am just starting to think that friends and family are all that matter. Yeah. You know, this is getting so cliche, I can't stand it. I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> but but you, and you know what, like, it is this balance though, right? I, I did have a more boring job. So we ran investment funds, been my own boss with mm -hmm. you know, many, many staff. Um, for for years and uh, and then we decided to try having a job again because there was a skill set I wanted to learn huh. and a couple of years later my wife was like you are not happy we have got to do something else for mm. you because this is killing you and so you know I guess for me it can kind of swing both ways of like where is that balance beam of oh right living and living our life like not just you know not just living for the family uh, and where is that where is that line I think probably too oh. often. I'm too far on my side of it, but knowing that the pendulum can swing the other way as well, right? I 100% agree. And, and I, it, I I got some advice. I was uh, I was considering delving a little more into the art of stand-up comedy. And uh, this is right when I started having my second child and I had a mentor uh, say something really interesting. I, I, I confronted him with the problem. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I got to be home for bedtime. It's late nights. And he said, well, maybe what you're kids need, need to see you do is something that you actually love and have a passion for. Maybe you need to kiss them goodnight, put them in bed and then go, go after it, you know, because, and that's the truth. Like, um, I don't want to, I don't want to spend more time working and less than, than I should. I don't want to spend, I don't want to, I don't want to neglect the time. I don't want to cheat the time I have with my family and my friends, but at the same time, I want to, I want to model for them what it looks like to find meaning and find satisfaction and contributing to society. Well, and I know we're, we're out of time here, but I feel like what you talked about earlier is the best way to figure that out, which is be a little less busy and actually stare at life in the face instead of just, instead of just letting life pass as we're, as we're busy yeah. answering email, right? And just really answering the question at a genuine level for ourselves, huh? Right. Absolutely. And that's the irony of it all. My, my true intention for slowing down is so that I can do more better. Yeah. It's almost uh, kind of like less, not to do less, less. but better. Less right. but better, or right, less know. better. It's a better way to say it. Yeah. Sure. Well, listen. Uh, appreciate all the time you spent with us today. Yeah. Obviously, encourage people to check you out on Instagram at Trip Crosby, uh, and that's Trip with two P's. Yep. Um, but uh, but this is fun. I'm I'm interested to uh, if you end up going another direction in life, you should come back on the show and tell us what you do instead. Great. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. Thanks again. Take care. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about. If you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard 
um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.